I want to encourage you this morning to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to look at one verse, verse 7, in just a moment. I want to talk to you this morning about the seeds of change. Maybe you have tried for some time to change some aspect of your life, to correct something that you do all the time, a bad habit, um, you want to rebuild a relationship, you want to change something in your life. And, and so this morning, I want us to think about what is involved with that. God has weaved into the very fabric of the universe a law of cause and effect. Science is absolutely dependent on that law. Scientists operate on the conviction that everything they observe in nature is caused by something else. And we tend to believe that as well. We ask questions like, how did this happen? What caused this? Where did this come from? Where did it start? Or why did this happen? We depend on this in every profession. If you're a doctor who makes a diagnosis, you've determined the cause of the ailment or the disease, the effect. If you're a detective looking at a crime scene, you know that someone caused it and you want to track down who, who did it, the criminal. A mechanic lifts the hood to seek to repair the cause of a problem. And children understand this law very early on. They know that if I cry, they will come. Or if I'm sitting in my high chair, I throw it on the floor, they'll pick it up again and again and again. But the most important application of this law is not found in science or medicine, but in your life. The Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So instead of calling it the law of cause and effect, the Bible calls it the law of sowing and reaping. And this law of sowing and reaping can work against you or it can work for you by God's grace. And some of you know this already. You've lived long enough. You've done enough things that you are seeing the harvest of what you have sown years ago. And, um, and you may say, Pastor, I don't like the crop that's coming up. And, um, and I don't like the harvest that I'm experiencing. And I want to harvest better things than this in my life. So if you want a different kind of harvest, you need to look very carefully at this, these principles of harvest. Let's look at the first one this morning. We're going to move through these pretty quickly. Number one, every harvest begins with a seed. Every harvest begins with a seed. If I want to see a harvest, I need to understand this, that it all begins with a seed. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and it was so. The very first living thing that God created was grass. And if you've had to mow your yard, you understand that that thing reproduces. <laughs> it grows and it spreads and it's because it has within itself seed, and it reproduces that seed, and because it does, it, there's a harvest, and you have to mow it. No seed means no grass. If God just com, com, uh, created grass, didn't create any seed, there'd never be a harvest. So when the Bible speaks of reaping what you sow, it is not uh, talking about something that's impersonal. It's not necessarily talking about plants and a harvest physically. But it's very much talking about your life 
And there are seeds that you are planting all the time. There are your thoughts. They are your words. They are your actions. And these are the seeds that are producing right now in your life a certain kind of relationship, certain kinds of habits, certain kinds of outcomes, and they're all affecting you right now. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. And so if you want to understand this idea of reaping and harvest, you need to know that every harvest begins with a seed. But there's more. Secondly, you can't harvest unless you plant. It begins with a seed, but you've got to do something with that seed. You can't harvest unless you plant. John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And so Jesus is teaching at this moment about his own death. That when he dies, when he's buried, and when he's raised from the grave, his death, like a seed being planted, is going to result in eternal life for millions of people. The point is, a seed can't produce a harvest until it's planted. If you've ever wondered why things aren't changing in your life, it may have something to do with whether or not you ever planted anything. When a farmer doesn't have any crops, he doesn't complain, does he? Now, I'm not talking about our farmers. When a farmer doesn't have any crop, he doesn't complain, he doesn't gripe, he doesn't sit around, he doesn't even pray. What does he do? He starts planting seeds. He doesn't stare at an empty field and say, oh God, give me a great corn crop. And God says, did you plant any seed? And, uh, and the farmer says, no. And he says, well, you can't harvest what you don't plant. And sometimes you and I have spent a lot of time waiting on God to do something when he's waiting on us. We haven't planted anything. We're not investing anything. We're not doing the kind of thing that reaps a harvest. You're going to have to plant something. But there's a third principle if you want to harvest in your life. Number three, you harvest what you plant, so choose wisely. You harvest what you plant, so choose wisely. In the verse that we read, verse 7, I want to read it again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And I brought with me this morning a, um, a kind of a sunflower, okay? It's not one of those big, big ones, but it is a sunflower. And I brought with me some sunflower seeds. Now, these aren't the kind you plant, but just pretend, okay? All right, just pretend. Now, if I plant sunflower seeds... I expect to get what when the harvest comes? Sunflowers, all right? Now, you're not going to see a farmer. When a farmer goes out and plants a big field of beans, he's, he's, he's by faith expecting that after he plants that field of beans, what's going to come out of the ground? He's not expecting watermelons, is he? He's expecting beans. And when you plant sunflower seeds, you expect the sunflower to come up out of the ground. That's why you and I have to be very careful. There are no exceptions to this rule. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. What you invest in others is what you're going to get back from others. What you do is going to have a consequence. You're going to reap a harvest of exactly what you plant. 
God's word makes this clear. Let me give you some examples. Job chapter 4, verse 8. Those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Proverbs 22, 8. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. Hosea 10, 13 says, you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil. And so that's true on the negative side, but it's also true on the positive side. In Proverbs eleven eighteen, it says, he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Hosea 10, 12 says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap what? In mercy. James 3, 18 says, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I cannot sow irresponsibility and reap success. I've got to sow the right stuff if I want the right harvest. I can't sow laziness and reap a reward. I can't sow stinginess and reap a blessing. This this is true in every relationship that you have. It's true in every aspect of your life. It's true at home. It's true in the workplace. Be very careful what kind of seed you plant. If you want a different kind of harvest, you need to plant different seeds. Now, principle number four may surprise you, but in every harvest, number four, watch out for competing crops. Watch out for competing crops. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 13 in the parable of the sower. He says in verse 24, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And that's what he put out. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. Now this is especially true in relationships. Uh, where you have sown graciousness, you have sown kindness, you have sown patience, and in response, you don't get those things. And you wonder, why does that happen? The Bible says there's a law of cause and effect. And I'm sowing something good, but I'm not reaping that in this particular relationship. Why is that? This is especially something, moms and dads, that you need to watch in relationship to your kids. You may invest in them, you may teach them, you may show them all kinds of things. But listen, while you're sowing, someone else is sowing, there is an enemy. And using uh, the media, using peer pressure, using other individuals in their lives, while you may be sowing very good things, they're sowing dark things. And, And sometimes you'll see a competing harvest or crop develop. You say, well, how can I deal with that? person where I'm sowing good things in their life and what do I get back? I'm getting all these other things back. What do I do about that? Well, listen, you got to pray. You certainly have to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for that person. Pray for your children. Pray for whoever's being affected in that way. Uh, Pray for yourself if you even see that in your own life, but pray. And um, And then beware. Beware of the other influences. Be alert to what's taking place. Beware especially of sitting back and doing nothing in relationship to your kids or your grandkids. Uh, You're saying, well, I've invested all these good things in them. I don't have to do anything else, and I just sit back, and I don't do anything. 
And if I do nothing, let's say I get really busy with my work or my other things, and I get really busy with that stuff, and I just sit back, and I say, I don't have to do anything with them. I got them in church every Sunday. doesn't matter. Uh, but while I'm not sowing, someone else is sowing. So watch out for competing crops. In this law of reaping and sowing, you and I need to be aware of that. Number five, there's something else you need to know about the harvest, and that's this. You will never harvest a crop that you just planted. You will never harvest a crop that you just planted. Following the flood, God said, after the flood, Genesis 8:22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So when you plant a seed, you don't get a harvest immediately. There's always a delay. There's a seed time, God tells Noah. There's a seed time, and there's a harvest. And they're not at the same time. Uh, so when you plant something, you don't go out the next day and say it's time to harvest it. Uh, there's always a gap. In Galatians 6, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And he says there's a delay, but you and I have to be patient. I need to believe that everything I do has consequences. And if you're praying, if you're trusting, if you're plowing, if you're sowing the things that God leads you to and that bless Him and that please Him, you will reap. And you've got to trust Him. Now let me share with you one application of this principle, one that you may not have thought of. But not everything that you plant is going to be harvested in your lifetime. Some things you plant are going to be harvested years from now, years after you're gone. And that's certainly happening in, in your life personally. There are many ways in which that happens. I know in my own life I'm reaping the good and the bad from those who went before me in my own family. 150 years worth of difficult marriages, bad marriages, divorce, my great-grandparents divorced in 1912. Um, my dad, who passed away uh, four years ago, was married five times. His fourth wife told me he just wasn't marriage material. And it goes back generations, generations. And, and you can know that that affected my marriage when Gail and I first married. I, I wouldn't want you to see the first couple years of our marriage. I'd be embarrassed to show it to anybody because I had a lot that was being harvested in my life. They had been planted years before I was born. We are affected by previous generations. Exodus 34, verse 7, God says of himself that he's visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Not their guilt, but their propensity to sin. Three and four generations. And so it's so important that you and I are careful to deal with our private sins. Maybe your wife doesn't know, your husband doesn't know, your children may not know. But listen, those tendencies are going to be passed on. You need to learn to get victory over those sins in your life. You say, well, pastor, I've struggled with some of these things that I know my dad struggled with, I know my grandfather struggled with, and I just can't seem to get victory. It's inevitable that I'm going to drink like them, I'm going to act like them, I'm going to talk like them, I'm going to be that same kind of man that they were, the same kind of woman that my mothers were. Listen, 
in 1 Peter chapter 1, a verse that we read but we didn't study when we went through it recently. 1 Peter 1 verse 17, listen carefully to what Peter writes. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You say, Pastor, my daddy drank, my grandfather drank, I struggle with it. Uh, They had bad tempers, I have a bad temper. It's inevitable, I can't deal with it, I can't overcome it. Listen, he just said that Jesus redeemed you from the aimless conduct of previous generations through his blood. And so you've got to believe that. You've got to trust that. It's not inevitable that I harvest the sins or the things that were plowed into my, my DNA centuries before I was born. It's not inevitable. Jesus can set you free from generational propensity to sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Now that works for you too. You pray for those grandchildren. You pray for those great-grandchildren. Children you may never meet. Children you may never know. You pray for them. I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons God has done work in my heart is because there were generations before me that loved Jesus with all their heart and that were praying and that were seeking his face and acknowledging their need. And so gain that victory over your private sin and you will affect the generations that follow. You keep planting that faithfulness and godliness. Let Jesus handle the timing of the harvest. Well, if you're serious about a harvest in your life, you're going to love principle number six. Number six, you will harvest more than you planted. You like that? Well, I do. Now look, you've got to get the seed right. <laughs> but you're going to harvest more than you planted. In Mark chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus said, But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now one sunflower seed can produce a plant that's 12 feet tall and give you bunches and bunches and bunches of seeds back. You don't plant one sunflower seed and get one seed at the end of the process. You get far more than you planted. And uh, there's an old saying, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. And so it's a wonderful promise that what you plant, you will harvest far more than you ever sowed. But it's also a scary prediction if you're sowing the wrong stuff. You know, you sow one small lie, and how many times we've seen that take a thousand lies to cover that small lie. And, uh, and it can get worse and worse and worse and worse. But it's a good promise to know, isn't it? Depends on what seed you plant. And then closely connected to the sixth principle is the final principle, number seven. The more you plant, the more you will harvest. You say, our pastor's a rocket scientist. The more you plant, the more you will harvest. And this comes from God's word, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Paul says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And of course, in context, 
He's talking about financial giving. He says that, that when you are generous in your giving, that God is going to take care of your needs. And that in your generosity, God will not only allow you to reap what you need for yourself, but he's going to allow you to reap enough for yourself and to continue being generous to others. And so this principle, the more you sow, the more you reap, works not just in giving, works in all areas of life. And so I would say, don't be particular about who you sow encouragement with. Don't be particular about who you bless. Don't be particular about who you serve. So graciously reap generously according to God's word. How big a harvest do you want? How much change do you want in your life? How much do you want to grow? How much do you want to see changed in your world, your school, your workplace, your community, your church? What you sow is what you reap. Here's the bottom line. The next harvest in your life depends on the seeds you plant today. The next harvest in your life depends on the seeds that you plant today. You say, well, pastor, I've messed up my life, and, um, and I think it's too late for me. Listen, God's word is true. He says you reap what you sow. Start planting a new crop today. That is the only thing you can control. You can't control the harvest. You can't control how much you're going to harvest. You can't control when you're going to harvest. But you can control what you plant and when you plant it. And the greatest thing that you can do, if you've not already done so, is you need to understand that this law of sowing and reaping, it works in every area of life. But the gospel, the gospel actually breaks the rule. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, the gospel is this. You have sowed sin. You have a broken relationship with God. You have nothing to look forward to except eternity without God, uh, a life of being ruled and dominated by sin and selfishness, and you have a future of broken relationships. That, that's what you have to look forward to. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You sin, you, what do you reap? Death, <laughs> destruction, hardship, difficulty, judgment. That's what we reap with sin, unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. And what happens is that when you put your faith in Christ, you don't reap death, you reap life. When you put your faith in Christ, you don't reap judgment for your sins, you reap forgiveness for your sins. And it's the only place in the world, only place in the universe, where this law of sowing and reaping is broken because you're reaping what you didn't sow. <laughs> and so when you put your trust in Christ, you don't deserve anything that comes your way, but you can be saved. Your sins can be forgiven, and you can reap a harvest of a brand new relationship with God this morning if you'll put your trust in him. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, I would say start there. If you want a new life, start there. That's where you begin. Come to Christ. Put your trust in him for salvation. He'll change you. He'll forgive you. And then, Christian, 
I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. And I don't know whether you're looking at your life and you're saying, I like the harvest that I'm experiencing. Uh, I have walked with the Lord. I have sought him day in and day out. I have trusted him with my life, and I am feeling satisfied in Christ. I feel blessed, Pastor. And if that's where your experience is today, I say with you, praise the Lord. But you may be a child of God this morning, a man, a woman who is a Christian. You've trusted Jesus, but you've not been sowing. You've been praying, but you haven't been sowing. And, and what you're reaping, you're not satisfied with. And you want to see more than what you're experiencing. I want to encourage you today, start doing the little things. Start sowing in the things that you know that God wants you to do next. Start there. Sow those things. Sow those actions. Spend time with the Lord. Let that become a habit to seek Him each day. Praise Him even when times are hard. Let that become a habit of your life. Uh, look at His Word before you act or before you respond to someone else. When someone hurts you and your natural inclination is to unleash that flesh, let that self come out and blow someone away and uh, be mean to them and critical of them, hurtful of them. Before that happens, turn to God's Word. What does He say? Bless those who curse you. And say, I'm going to sow blessing today. In the face of that person that hurt me, I'm going to sow blessing. I'm going to bless them. <clears throat> I'm not going to curse them. And, and in area after area of your life, you start sowing the Word of God. You start sowing what He's taught you, what's in your head, but you've not practiced it. You start that. God's promise to you is, God is not mocked. <laughs> Whatever we sow, we're going to reap, and he'll change your life. The seeds of change begin today with what you plant. Pray with me. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this marvelous truth of how our lives can begin to change right now, today, with a simple decision to begin to sow to the Spirit instead of sowing to the flesh. I pray, Almighty God, as we respond to you now, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would walk among us. Speak to every heart, Lord. We need you. We need to understand this law. We need to understand how to please you with our whole life. We want to respond to you now as you lead us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.